Uh, for those of you who I haven't met yet, my name is Michael Risk. I'm one of the ministry staff here. And today we're continuing our sermon series looking at those first six chapters of Nehemiah. Today we're looking at Nehemiah chapter 4. And before we begin Nehemiah chapter 4, I just wanted to remind the congregation that Ezra and Nehemiah aren't two separate books, but one single book. And I was asked recently, if I were to summarize Ezra and Nehemiah, what would be the central theme? And I want to suggest that it's building the house of God. Ezra chapter 1 verse 2 says this, let me read. Thus says Cyrus, king of Persia, the Lord, the God of heaven, has given me all the kingdoms of the earth, and he has charged me to build him a house at Jerusalem, which is in Judah. Uh, this proclamation of Cyrus sets the stage for the entire book. And throughout Ezra and Nehemiah, we learn that God's house is more than just the temple, but it includes the city. That's why Nehemiah is focused on building the wall. And it also includes the people, the people of God. Uh, if we read Ezra and Nehemiah, uh, Nehemiah 13 ends on this dismal note, doesn't it? Uh, this dismal note suggests that the building of God's house is not yet complete. Uh, just like a TV series ends on a cliffhanger, a Nehemiah 13 kind of ends on a cliffhanger saying, to be continued. And this theme of building God's house is actually picked up again in the New Testament. But the building of God's house is not a physical building anymore. The building of God's house is living stones built upon the chief cornerstone, Christ. These living stones are the people. Let me read from 1 Peter chapter 2, which says this. As you come to him, the living stone rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Uh, Ezra and Nehemiah focuses on building God's house. And it's a task that we, God's people, have been given today. Uh, please have your Bibles open today as we look now at Nehemiah chapter 4. And as we look at this passage together, let me open up in prayer. Please pray with me. Our Father, O oh Lord, we thank you for this time when we can gather around your word. I pray, Lord, that you would remove any distractions that we have. Lord, help us to be attentive to what your word is saying. And Lord, help us to be receptive to it. For we ask these things in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Uh, in preparation for World War II in 1939, the British government produced the motivational poster, Keep Calm and Carry On. Uh, with the looming threat of Adolf Hitler and the Nazi forces, there was a need to encourage and boost the morale of British citizens. For many, this was the second time that they were being dragged into another global war. This slogan is a message to provide encouragement that in the midst of hardships, perhaps great opposition, that there is a need to keep calm and carry on. But how do you keep calm when you are going through great trials? How do you carry on when the opposition is great? 
when your own strength is failing and when your resiliency stores have been depleted? How do you keep calm and carry on? Uh, over the last few years in Australia, there has been a rise in mental health challenges. And during this season of COVID-19, many Australians have experienced an increased level of anxiety, panic, depression, and anger. Uh, the rise on mental health challenges caused by COVID may prove to be actually worse than the disease itself. Our world today has shown us that human resolve is not as strong as we like to think. So in the midst of great challenges, great trials, how can we as a society keep calm and carry on? I want to suggest we can't. Not in our own strength. There is only so much resiliency that we as an individually have until eventually we break. On our own, when oppositions, adversity, trials come our way, we will get to a point where we can't keep calm and carry on. But, but for you and I there is hope. Uh, there is an answer. We don't need to depend on ourselves, on our own strength to carry on. Uh, we have someone whom we can depend on to give us strength and help when the opposition does come. When times get tough and our own strength fails us. Today in our chapter, Nehemiah chapter 4, Nehemiah shows us that in the face of opposition, in the face of hardships, and these will come, that we are to depend on God. Uh, the take-home message today for us is, in the face of hardship, the church must depend on God and continue to do their work. And I've got three points which we're working from today. First, keep calm by coming to God in prayer. Second, keep calm by taking appropriate action. And third, carry on and do the work of God. Let's look at that first point. Keep calm by coming to God in prayer. I remember growing up being told to say, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. But words can hurt, can't they? When those around us are discouraging us, perhaps even attacking us with their words, Sometimes these words can take us to a place where we don't want to fight anymore. We just want to throw in the towel and give up. In our passage, the Jews are being met with discouraging words. Taunts designed to weaken the morale of the workers. Taunts designed to make the Jews give up. Sanballat says, what are those feeble Jews doing? Will they restore their wall? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they finish in a day? Can they bring the stones back to life from those heaps of rubble, burned as they are? And then Tobias says, what are they building? Even a fox climbing up on it would break down their walls of stones. Uh, Tobias mentions a fox because foxes usually made their homes around rubble 
around ruins such as this. And Tobiah is suggesting that a fox will see these stones, make its home there. But the builders are building such a poorly constructed wall that even a fox's weight would bring it down. Our friends, these taunts are designed to weaken the morale of the Jews. And we must notice that these taunts are being said in the presence of the Samarian army. Uh, the terrorist attacks that have happened in the last 20 years have shown us that terrorism isn't just random attacks to hurt people. Terrorism includes striking fear, striking terror through the population. That is what Sanballat and Tobiah are trying to do here. They are trying to strike fear. They are trying to weaken the morale of the Jews. They're trying to say that they are incompetent builders, unable to do this task of building the wall. They are incompetent to protect themselves. How could a wall built by normal people stand? How can such a wall protect the Jews from the army that stands before them? It can be very hard to pick yourself up when you've been met with such discouragement, when everything around you is just saying, give up. It isn't worth it. And the motivational words, keep calm and carry on, they start to fall on deaf ears. But look what Nehemiah does in the face of these taunts, in the face of discouragement and the fear of being attacked. He doesn't turn to self and look at his own stores of resiliency. What does he do? Well, have a look with me at verses 4 and 5. Verse 4 and 5. Hear us, our God, for we are despised. Turn their insults back on their own heads. Give them over as plunder in a land of captivity. Do not cover up their guilt or blot out their sins from your sight, for they have thrown insults in the face of your builders. And Nehemiah cries out in his anguish. His fear and his frustrations. He cries out to God. He comes to God and he depends on him. Lord, we don't have the means to help ourselves. But you do. Help us in our moment of weakness. Help us with our enemies. Give us what we need to continue building this wall. And then look again what Nehemiah's prayer includes. His prayer includes a request that God would enact justice towards their enemies. Uh, in the midst of being oppressed by our enemies, we aren't to seek justice for ourselves. But rather, we are to depend on God that He will provide justice for us. Nehemiah with the Jews, in the midst of their fears, they come to God. And a reminder that God is with them. And that they continue, that, that with this reminder, they can continue to do the work. Our verse 6 tells us that the Jews had a mind to work, and they built the wall to half its height. Our friends, these six verses remind us that when we are met with opposition, when the enemy is taunting us, telling us to give up, we are to do more than just keep calm and carry on. We are to come to God in prayer. 
We are to keep calm and depend on God. Uh, But what do we do when it's more than just taunts? And when the enemy actually sends that army and attacks us? What do we do then? Well, this brings us to our second point. Point two, keep calm by taking appropriate action. Let's look at verses 7 and 8. Verse 7, But when Sanballat, Tobiah, the Arabs, the Ammonites, and the people of Ashdod heard that the repairs to Jerusalem's walls had gone ahead and that the gaps were being closed, they were very angry. They all plotted together to come and fight against Jerusalem and stir up trouble against it. Uh, We read here that the morale of the Jews hasn't weakened. We see that with the help of God, they are encouraged to keep building. And this frustrates their opposition. So now instead of just using words, they are seeking to attack. Uh, These verses highlight that the opposition around us can escalate. That when the church stands firm in their convictions to do the work of Christ, that the church will face growing opposition. Uh, We see an example of this happening in the early church. In the early chapters of Acts, with Peter and the other apostles. As they go out and declare that Jesus is the Messiah, what happens? Well, we see them thrown in jail and then released. We see them a second time back in prison, but this time before being released, they're beaten. And then in Acts 7, we see the first Christian martyr. Uh, It should come as no surprise that if the church stands firm in their convictions, they will be met with increasing opposition. The history of the church is filled with many examples. Uh, The question is, when we are met with increasing opposition, how is the church meant to respond? Let's look again at our passage, verse 9. Verse 9, but we prayed to our God and posted a guard day and night to meet this threat. Uh, What we see here in verse 9 is a call to prayer and action. In verse 9, Nehemiah prays and then he sets a guard to meet this need, a guard to protect them. Uh, When we are met with opposition, first and foremost, we have to come to God. We have to come to Him in prayer, depend on God. Uh, When you find yourself being attacked for being Christian, you are to pray. Pray that God would comfort you. Pray that God would help you. And then second, you are to do something. Earlier I said that we should not seek justice for ourselves. Uh, Let me clarify this further. Uh, This means that we do not sit idly by when wrong is being done. To hand the matter over to God and say, God, it's all up to you. And at the same time, we are not to take matters into our own hands and start a rebellion seeking justice based on our own judgments and desires. Uh, The Christian is told here that when opposition is before us, that we are to depend on God and respond with appropriate action. Let me say that again. The Christian is first to depend on God and then take appropriate action. The Jews just didn't pray, Lord, the enemy is great and we need your help. No, they stationed a guard to meet this need. 
Now, over the last several weeks, Martin has drawn our attention to the end of life choices bill that is before Parliament. And he has encouraged each of us to take appropriate action. And the Christian doesn't just pray that God would intervene. By all means, be doing this. Be praying that God would be working and that this bill would be voted down. But the Christian has also been equipped to take appropriate action. Martin has reminded us that we live in a democratic nation. That we have a voice. That we have been given a voice. A voice which allows us to say when we see injustice and we want our politicians to respond to it. The Christian has been told, depend on God but also take appropriate action. Find your strength in God, but use the tools which He has given you to do His will. Now, this is especially needed when we see that the opposition's strength is increasing and our own is failing. Look with me at verses 10 to 12. Meanwhile, the people in Judah said, the strength of the laborers is giving out, and there is so much trouble that we cannot rebuild the wall. Also, our enemies said, before they know it or see us, we will be right there among them and will kill them and put an end to the work. Then the Jews who lived near them came and told us ten times over, wherever you turn, they will attack us. At the morale of the strength of the Jews is starting to fail. So Nehemiah in verse 13 responds with appropriate action. He stations people by their clans with swords, with spears, with bows. And then he reminds them most importantly to depend on God. Look what he says in verse 14. He says, now let me just read the whole verse. After I looked these things over, I stood up and said to the nobles, the officials and the rest of the people, don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight for your families, your sons and your daughters, your wives and your homes. Just like verse 9, verse 14 is telling you, it's telling me, that when there is opposition before us and they are plotting to do us harm, whether that is individually or collectively, we respond by first and foremost coming to God in prayer. And then we are to seek appropriate action. A human resiliency will only go so far. The words keep calm and carry on will eventually fail us. But the knowledge that God is with us and that we are to take courage and keep on going in His strength. This strength will help us keep on going when our own frail human resiliency gives up. In the midst of opposition, in the midst of trials, in the midst of hard times, depend on God in prayer and seek appropriate action. And by doing these things, we can do the work which we have been called to do. And this brings us to our third point. Point number three, carry on and do the work of God. Looking at verse 15, we are told that the morale of the Jews has not failed. They, had, they hadn't given up building the wall. And with the opposition having failed, having been frustrated by the resiliency of the Jews through their dependence on God and their tenacity to adapt, we see that the Jews continue to do the work. Have a look at verses 16 to 23 of this work. Verse 16, from that day on, half of my men did the work 
while the other half were equipped with spears, shields, bows, and armor. The officers posted themselves behind the people of Judah who were building the wall. Those who carried materials did their work with one hand and held a weapon in the other. And each of the builders wore his sword at his side as he worked. But the man who sounded the trumpet stayed with me. Then I said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, the work is extensive and spread out, and we are widely separated from each other along the wall. Wherever you hear the sound of the trumpet, join us there. Our God will fight for us. So we continued the work with half the men holding spears, from the first light of dawn till the stars came out. At that time I also said to the people, Have every man and his helper stay inside Jerusalem at night, so they can serve us as guards by night and as workers by day. Neither I nor my brothers nor my men nor the guards with me took off our clothes. Each had his weapon even when he went for water. At these verses tell us that we are to keep focus on the task that God has given us that we are to adapt to the changing circumstances. In the case of the Jews, this means working on the wall and yet being ready for an attack. The primary work for them was to continue to carry out God's plan for them, to keep building His house. I remember what I said earlier. A God's house was more than just the temple. It's the city, it's the wall, it's the people. The Jews' role was to be his hands and feet, God's hands and feet in the work of restoration. For us, God's restorative plans is more than just building a city wall. It's more than just a nation. God's restorative plans now includes the whole world, restoring the world back to himself, back to a world without sin. And brothers and sisters, you and I have been called to this restorative work. The restorative work that you and I have been called to is the work of the gospel, declaring it and making it known. That through declaring the gospel, we share with those around us that Christ has defeated sin. That on the cross, Christ took the penalty of sin. Through the cross, a sinful, rebellious humanity was restored to right relationship with the Father. And through declaring the gospel, we make, the, make known to those around us that Christ is King, that He is Lord. And friends, we are to live as Christ, as Lord, as Savior. So let me ask you, Cornerstone, let me ask you, are you doing that? Are you living and declaring and making the gospel known? Are you living and declaring and making known that Christ is our Savior? Are you living? Are you making known? Are you declaring that Christ is King? When people see you, when people hear you, is the gospel being made known? Our brothers and sisters, this passage is reminding us that despite the opposition, despite various trials, despite hard times, we have still been given a task to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. Despite the devil's plots, despite the world's taunts, despite our own securities, we have been told, keep declaring the gospel. Keep making Christ 
known. And we don't do this alone. But we do it with the strength of God. We do it with the strength of our brothers and sisters. I remember being told early in my Christian walk that when Christ died for you, he gave you a right relationship with the Father, but then he also gave you the church. Friends, the church is there to help you when your own strength is failing. Scripture reminds us that we are to, we are to bear one another's burdens. And in the broad sense, this means that we are to help one another in every difficult situation. Uh, this includes when our own strength is failing. And perhaps we have gotten to a place where we are struggling to even turn to God and to ask for what we need. Uh, sometimes we can get to a place where the angst in our soul seems to be stronger than our confidence in God. Uh, this is when we need our brothers and sisters in Christ. Uh, this is when we need the church. For the strength of their prayers can help us when we are struggling. Their boldness to come before the throne of God and ask for help can create in us a stronger faith. A faith to keep going when we ourselves are feeling weak. Uh, there will be times when the opposition may prove to be overwhelming. Uh, this is when we will need the church and the prayers of our brothers and sisters to help us have faith and to keep living out the gospel, to keep declaring and making Christ known, and sometimes in very small ways. But keep, Cornerstone, depending on God. Keep coming to Him. Uh, let me end with this. The year 2020 has been a tough year for many of us. And I don't know the year you've had thus far. I don't know the trials that you have been going through. I don't know the temptations that are before you. I don't know if there's opposition in your life. I don't know how hard the battle is before you. For many in this room, your resolve may be feeling low. And you are wondering, how much longer do I need to keep calm and carry on? Uh, if you are feeling low, if you're feeling burdened, let me comfort you with these words. You don't carry this burden alone. You can continue pushing forward. You can continue to keep calm because you, my friend, have God in your corner. You have the church in your corner. Keep calm and carry on. It's an okay slogan, but I prefer keep calm and depend on God. Keep calm and depend on God. God will give you the strength to keep going, to persevere in the faith in the midst of the low points, in the midst of trials. You can call out to God, in your laments, just like Nehemiah, you can call out and ask for strength, ask for help, ask that the Holy Spirit will provide you with comfort, will provide you with help as you go through these hardships. You and I don't have a God who is distant and unapproachable. We have a God who listens and delights to listen to us. He will comfort us and he'll be there for us. He will help us keep persevering. Keep persevering that we may be able to continue to do the work which he has given us.
How about I pray? Let's pray together. Our Father in heaven, Father, we come before you this morning knowing that we need you. Our Father, we need you in this walk before us. We know we can't live this life in our own strength. Lord, it's just too hard. Father, I pray for those in this room that have been having a hard year thus far. Lord, you know who they are. Lord, I pray that you would be with them. Lord, I pray that you would help them. I pray that you would give them strength and energy that they need to continue. I pray, Lord, that you would be with the church, that you would be there to comfort and give strength to our brothers and sisters in Christ. Father, please be with each of us. Our Father, thank you for the awesome reminder that you are there and that in the midst of troubles, the troubles that we are facing, that we can come to you, that we can depend on you. Lord, we thank you that we can keep calm and depend on you. Amen.